So it's this weird combination between focus and abstraction, I guess. If I'm carving, each pass I do with the knife is very intentional. And I have to make sure not to cut myself and I have to make sure not to mess up this tiny detailed spoon that I'm working on. It takes a lot of focus, but at the same time, it's very meditative and repetitive. I can kind of space out and think about things or listen to something. I always sit outside and lately, because there's been a lot of smoke in the air from fires, I haven't been able to. And so I tried carving in my kitchen. I carved for like two hours and got tired of it. And usually I can go for an entire afternoon or something. Being outside and hearing the birds and just being out in the outside atmosphere is so much a part of it. Well, when I'm drawing, my mind can be somewhere else. I can be listening to a podcast or I can be, you know, listening to music with lots of lyrics. But I'm also working on really detailed work, especially with colored pencils. You don't have the capabilities of erasing and starting over. So everything has to kind of be mindfully placed. But I've been doing it for so long that I can kind of think about that without thinking so hard that I can't do anything else. Those were our guests for this episode. Carolina? I'm Carolina Porras, and I am based in Paonia, Colorado. For my fine art practice, I use a lot of colored pencils, graphite, and collage, some sculpture. And then I also work a lot with my hands and crochet and sew. And with Piney, with Atlas, we use a lot of abstract materials like time and interacting with people, traveling, organizing, and um, also facilitating. And Alicia. I am Alicia Toldy, and I am based out of Point Reyes Station, California, which is just north of the San Francisco Bay Area. And um, a similar, I have kind of a fine art practice that's more 2D, and then a craft practice that is um, wooden spoon carving and working with fiber and natural dyes and kind of experimenting. Both Carolina and Alicia work with lots of tangible, creative materials we could focus on, but we're going to hone in on their expertise on the subject of time as a material. In some ways, this episode is about letting time happen to you in the context of your creative calling. In other ways, it's about taking ownership over your own time. It's a blend of surrender and activation. Welcome back to Material Feels, the podcast all about the intimate relationships between creative people and the materials they have fallen in love with. Material Feels is sponsored by Brown Sugar Botanicals, a black, queer, and trans-owned herbal CBD business based in Oakland, California, founded by Kalima and Chris, two black, non-binary millennials with a strong love for all things hemp. They offer CBD-infused salves, tinctures, and even herbal smoking blends, and they ship nationwide. Put your order in at www.brownsugarbotanicals.com and use the promo code MATERIALFEELS, all one word, for a 10% discount. What's your relationship with time like? Do you feel like you don't have enough or that you lose track of it? Do you get lost in time? Are you reliving the past or are you always distracted away in a possible future? Before I bring you with me down one of my favorite rabbit holes, aka time traveling and unraveling the fabric of space and time as we know it, we are going to discover how Alicia and Carolina got so wise about time through a project they created, Pinewood Atlas. 
Pinewood Atlas is a collaborative project that catalogs small, emerging, and unconventional artist residencies. Through a series of road trips across the United States, Alicia and Carolina visit and tour various spaces, share meals, and speak with facilitators and artists, gathering firsthand experiences of what it's like to be an artist in residence. There's almost this really beautiful countercultural revolution in a quiet way that we're doing with these residencies. We're saying we do not subscribe to the rat race. We believe in empty space and time where there's something else can happen. And I really see again and again that when people go into that space of stillness in their studios on the land, connecting, sharing food with each other. That's a favorite quote of theirs from an arts facilitator in their community. Their project represents alternative residencies through online content, workshops, and annually printed regional guidebooks. There are three out and a fourth one is on the way. Okay, all right, back it up though. What is an artist residency, you ask? Do you need to be an artist? What does it mean to call yourself an artist? What kind of art do you make? Where do you reside? Tell me everything you say. I know not of your hippie strangeness. Well, let's go on a tour with Alicia and Carolina and get some answers. When we visit a residency, we try to imagine that we're in residence there for 24 hours or less. Sometimes we can just do a couple hour visit, although we prefer to stay the night. When we're there, we just try to soak up as much of the atmosphere as we can. We say yes to everything, we're open to experiences, and we record as much as we can. So it really just gives us a joyful feeling when we're at each residency. And they're all so unique. And so we'll have one experience one day, like for example, we'll be in a beautiful forest with a organic garden and camping and like wood-fired pizzas and then the next night we'll be in a city in like a warehouse somewhere with all these creative people it's really special it's really fun and then in the in-between time you'd think that our downtime would be then but that's usually filled with driving and eating and figuring out directions and doing updates on social media and we always think that we'll have a lot of time to journal write stuff down reflect and nap perhaps but we never nap we always just talk the entire time in the car even if it's like a five-hour drive and then the downtime actually happens when we're at the residency just soaking it in when we first started the project you know we brought our sketchbooks with us and we told ourselves that at each residency we were gonna sit and sketch and write our thoughts and that didn't <laughs> because you know you also want to be really present when you're there and while documenting is such a big part of our project, we also don't want to take ourselves away from being present during a communal dinner that then turns into a karaoke dance party at the end where the artists and us stay up late and talk. And we don't want to pull ourselves away from that. So. What I'm hearing is that you there's communities. It's sometimes in a city. You can do a self-directed one on a train. Um, how can you just paint more of a picture of like how an artist residency ties into a community. Everyone's experience is different for residencies, especially depending on what they need. Running elsewhere now, which is located in a really vibrant and active small rural community, I've seen and have felt firsthand how amazing it is to be within that communal setting and that's the thing that has lasted with me all this time the artwork that I've made during the residency those paintings um 
they still exist somewhere. And I was really happy to have that time to focus on my paintings and my my artwork. But for me, it's like the people is more long lasting. Other people, they, you know, they have to have quietness when they're at the residency because their life is usually so active and hectic and loud and they might not interact the same way. So I think that everyone's needs are different and that's that's okay. But a lot of the time I think traveling, going to artist residencies, I mean it's about the people and that's what makes it so fun. And you take away from that like people can be really kind and creative and warm and generous. And it's hard to remember that in your daily life, especially after 2016, <laughs> especially living in a rural community. Um, after Trump got elected, there was a lot of divisiveness and otherness. But when you leave yourself open to meeting new people and having conversations, which generally happens when you're traveling and going to new places like artist residencies. People who have a lot of um, different opinions about things can come together in their love of a place. And residencies, a lot of the time, are very specific to their place and the work that people make in them. Juries look for people in their applications who are making work that will specifically reflect the the place and not something that could be done anywhere. And you ask yourself, like, why that place? Like, why do you want to go to this residency? And a huge part of that is usually location, you know, that you really want to get to know that place. Because if it was just to be in a studio all day, you know, you could do that anywhere. Carolina and I met at an artist residency uh, in 2013 when we were both 22, 23 at our birthdays then that summer. It was a time when we were figuring out ourselves as adults and creatives after having graduated recently from college. And going to the residency was, we had a chance to to really figure out who we were as, as creative adults. A lot of people after art school or after any school, whenever you're studying, you have to kind of find your own way. How do you make your own structure to continue doing that without, you know, those grades and those classes and prom? You know, we both heard about artist residencies in different ways and elsewhere in Paonia was actually the first one that I found through researching and it was the only one that I applied to <laughs> and I got in and it totally changed my life. You know, I was thinking about this, that it was the first time as an adult traveling in that way, completely by myself for a long period of time, for two months, to a place I had no idea where it was, what it was. I didn't know anybody who lived there. I'd never known anybody who had gone there before. And it was a huge step for me as a person and growing and knowing that I was gonna have life-changing experiences, but I didn't know what they were gonna be. And also just having that time to focus on my art in a serious way outside of school. Do you remember the moment where you felt like, oh, I'm here? I got there pretty late. I got there at like 9 p.m. and Karen had already gone back to her house and she said, okay, well, the resident Carolina will show you around. And I just imagined her to be like a 60-year-old, you know, oil painter because that's <laughs> the kind of person I thought went to artist residencies. <laughs> and um, 
So I, I got in there pretty late and I walked in and Carolina was just painting some crazy like neon surrealist space painting and turned around and she was like, hey, want to come to a party with me tonight? So there is the place you choose to go, the journey to get there. And then there is the time you spend and something about intentional time set aside for any creative activity, whether it's writing, making, crafting, mending, building, thinking, not thinking. When you're intentional about it, time hits different. It's something a lot of people engaged with creative pursuits can agree on, that feeling of flow. So at first we wanted to start a residency ourselves and, um, we wanted to visit artist residencies around the country just to do research for ourselves, especially because residencies are all so different. So there's so many different ways to run them and there's so many different ways that people decide to run them, especially people who start their own. The project grew as we realized the information was lacking in the residency world. So there are databases that you can look up kind of the objective information about residencies. And then there are uh, there's word of mouth, but there isn't really anything in between. And so we saw ourselves as people who could dispense that information to our communities. I feel like I need to revisit a discussion I had in an earlier episode with Weaver Danielle Garber, episode three, when we were talking about the somewhat problematic separation of art and craft and the tricky term artist, how claiming the identity of artist can be intimidating. A lot of people think you need to paint paintings, show in galleries, make money off of your art. No fancy art terms like impasto. It's also an identity many shy away from because they don't feel good enough. Same with calling yourself creative. Let me stop those trains of thought right now. Activities that qualify you as a creative include, and are not limited to, writing, communicating, singing, practicing an instrument, creating playlists, taking pictures, homemade gifts, cooking, baking, tidying and designing your space, making silly voices, playing with children, teaching people how to do stuff, gardening, landscaping, knitting, sewing, pickling, planning trips, coordinating outfits, dancing, meditating. I could keep going, but I didn't actually script this, so I'm going to move on. Every single person I have ever met has something like this in their lives, whether they acknowledge it or not. So, listener of this humble yet very intense podcast, if you know me personally, because you probably do, I'm talking to you. And if I don't know you personally, get to know me, Google me, LinkedIn me, or whatever, and tell me what creative pursuit you would steep yourself in if you had a nice, thick, juicy slab of intentional time to spend. I mean, that's what we're learning is all kinds and there are all kinds of residencies that welcome any kind of artist, you, you know, using the word artist really loosely. And people are now more aware of, you know, using the term creatives because I feel like that's more inclusive to different types of work, like even working with food or being a mathematician or, or a, a physicist. Podcaster. <laughs> or a podcaster. <laughs> I remember when I was looking for residencies and I found elsewhere, since I hadn't heard about them really before and I'd never one I didn't know that there were free ones or there were ones that you paid for there were ones that paid you and I didn't know where I in that and I didn't think that I was at a point in my you know artistic career where I could get one that was free or that paid you that's not really true there's you know there's so many different types of 
programs, really small ones that are still free and they welcome people who, you know, may not have the longest CV. We've also found that residencies that are smaller or newer are sometimes more likely to um, accept artists that they're maybe taking a little more of a gamble on who don't have an extensive CV or, or haven't ever really worked. They're just working on um, a creative practice for their first time or um, have some sort of strange project just because they don't have um, the eyes of the art world looking at them and putting pressure on them. So it, they're these small residencies and these uh, more alternative creatives are working together to, to do something that, that is a little bit more experimental. This is a good time to also acknowledge that residencies are places of privilege, but there are so many more opportunities out there than you might think. So like even people with 10 minutes a day could self-direct their own residency and just, it's really a state of mind, the residency. You, it's great if you can go to one. It's great if you can get one that pays you. But if you can't take time away from your home, you can make your own and, and just like schedule that time into your day. Like Alicia was saying, it's it's a mindset. Sometimes all you need is um, something to hold you accountable to make the time, even if it is 10, 20 minutes to an hour of your day to focus on your creative practice. Something we've talked about a lot is, you know, you can be that person to set that structure for yourself and then let everybody know in your work and in your circle that that is your time and to take it seriously. And you may have an away message on your email for that day or put your phone in your closet for that hour and not check it and put these small changes during that time so that your mental space is being shifted. If you have kids or some sort of demanding home life, you can have somebody take care of them or have somebody to rely on who can take away some of that pressure. And it sounds difficult, especially, yeah, if you do have family, everybody has demanding lives, but how can you start in a small, in a reasonable way? Something that you can like reasonably ask of yourself and of your family. Like, I just need 10, 15 minutes in my studio and then grow from there. And a buddy helps. I mean, if you think about people who want to start running or working out, you know, they have a gym buddy, they have someone to hold them accountable. And like Elise and I have this collaboration that's been going on for years and we know each other's strengths and schedules and we communicate really well and we've set that time for ourselves and then we're able to check in with each other. And so having a buddy like that, whether it is a collaborator, someone you're working with, or maybe just even someone who is creative in your life that maybe is also lacking that time and multiple people can like, okay, let's try this. Let's do this. Because it does help to have a support system. Carolina lives in Colorado. She now runs Elsewhere Studios. And I'm in California, as I said. And in non-pandemic times, my favorite way to get over to Colorado is to take the train. And it's a 24-hour trip. So one time I decided to do a 24-hour self-directed artist residency. And um, I had some projects. I had some bandanas that I was embroidering for our upcoming fundraiser and I also decided to journal and I also just decided to think creatively the whole time and think about things in a more creative way so creative thinking 
you don't even have to be a maker. You can just be a creative thinker and write stuff down or, you know, even, even the thinking is somehow an art, I think. We're very loose with our definition of art. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that 24 hours was just really fun. And I ended up meeting through my embroidery in the um, observation car. I ended up meeting this guy and his daughter. They were like, oh, are you working on handwork? And then we all were talking about <laughs> doing craft stuff. He brought out his mandolin and taught me how to play a few chords. And we had a little concert at night. And <laughs> it just... I love the train. Yeah, it just really, um, it was like a mini residency just through changing the state of mind. And so accessible. Like, that's a public space, essentially. Very public, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely didn't have my own my own car. I was in the the coach section, squished in with all these people. And just talking to people. I watched a guy's kid while he went to the snack car and he came back and gave me a Coca-Cola. And I like don't really drink (laughs) Coca-Cola, but I was really stoked to get that gift from him. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a good point of, you were already gonna do this thing and you also chose a slower way of getting somewhere and then reframed that time so maybe for people who might be listening and be wondering how can I you know take that time for myself there's a lot of people who have commutes whether that be in the car they're driving or maybe they're on the train during non-pandemic times and what do you usually do during that time period where you're just sitting there in between that happens quite a lot during our days especially if you live in the city or in the suburbs so maybe starting there or it could be a walk you're doing multiple things you're like moving your body and you're exercising but you're also like this walk I'm not going to bring my phone I'm not going to listen to music and check my text messages I'm just going to like try and think creatively and differently and then when you start with those seemingly small things then your brain really starts moving and it can like turn into you have this idea for a project because you're allowing for that space okay I am smitten with this idea The wait in line at the grocery store is an opportunity to envision the secret lives of those around you. The posters in the waiting room of the doctor's office are sarcastic memes waiting for you to caption, or on hold with your bank, that cheesy music could inspire a little dance sequence. Hearing this story made me think of how the open road and working on the podcast instantly reframes my thoughts and my sense of time, and how each interview for the show feels like a mini artist's retreat, a serious, needed, fulfilling quest where I am completely present. I'm intrigued by what these road trips have taught Alicia and Carolina about the material at hand. How does being removed from the everyday patterns and spaces of their lives impact their sense of time? We have to be very adaptive and we kind of feel like snails, like our homes are just being in our bodies and we have to just be comfortable wherever we are just rely on each other and ourselves for that comfort rather than being in a familiar place or around familiar people. Yeah, we've gotten better at asking, you know, if we first arrive to a residency instead of jumping straight into interviews, if we need some time, we ask for that now. And I think that's a good thing for traveling in general and also artist residencies, like knowing what your home comforts are for you to feel comfortable, more at ease and less anxious. What can you bring with you, whether that be your favorite tea, your favorite pillow, you know, something like that, where you can just instantly feel at home wherever you are. That makes me think about how when we're driving, 
we have these rituals that we do every time, like um, even the fact that we switch off driving days. So like Carolina will drive one day and I'll drive the next day. And then whoever isn't driving will do the Instagram update for that last residency we went to and figure out the directions. You get the pressure taken off of you to do one thing and um, get supported by the other person. And then usually the person who drove, especially if it was a long day, will be more tired and have less words in their brain when we come to do the interview at the next place. Usually the person who didn't drive will sort of take the lead on the interviewing. And it, it, it just really flows really well. And I think that's a special thing that we have with each other too. We're just really good collaborators in that way, kind of intuitively support or ask for support from the other person, depending on what, what we need. Again, the idea of having a buddy comes up. Artist residencies don't happen in a bubble, and neither do most creative projects. In sharing time and space with a common goal of visiting residencies and capturing the creative spirit of the place and the people, Alicia and Carolina have discovered their own flow, their own sense of time, and their own sense of one another within those coordinates. This sense of flow was evident to me even in the interview, which I conducted socially distant from Alicia in her living room, and with Carolina calling in on Zoom. While Carolina spoke, Alicia scrolled through the notes they'd written up together. I was kind of moved that they met before the interview to discuss and write up their answers to my questions together, and even provide some additional questions or phrasing they wanted me to integrate. It felt so indicative of the material of time and their sensitivity to it, the intentionality with which they approached the interview. I could feel the extra time in their words, that their thoughts had steeped a bit longer, that tea was full-bodied and brewed with the intention of sharing it with one another and with me, to ensure that they got the essence of what they meant, the essence of what they experienced, all the intricacies and flavor notes. And it's clear that this is how they work, together, every step of the way with Piney. We are always submerged in time. And there is a matrix of choice, as well as the privilege to choose, explicitly or implicitly, how to be in time. Are we working? Resting? Feeling? Is our time our own? And if not, whose is it? And how has this all changed over the past year? We both agreed that the pandemic has really made us think about time in a more conscious way. Not necessarily having more time given to us because since we're self-employed, we're still making our own schedules and, and still working, but that we're actually using the time in a more conscious way and really thinking about what we do with it. I feel like it kind of also goes with the question that you had about, you know, how does time feel like when you're at an artist residency in similar ways? I mean, the pandemic has been really stressful especially for folks who don't have as flexible of jobs as we do. My sense of time has opened up because my responsibilities or the pressures, expectations of working and having meetings and doing a million things in a given day, just they just all fell away. <laughs> and suddenly it was okay. It was more than okay. You had to do nothing. <laughs> suddenly you understand what you don't need to do throughout your day, like what isn't necessary. and start realizing what is valuable in your life and what you want to spend time on, you know, because we live in this capitalistic society that's just telling us to go, go, go and work, 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 earn that money, um, be constantly busy. And when we had no choice, but not, then you realize how much time you do have 
to spend on the things that you feel really passionate about. Because I am the type of person who gets really into what I do, into my job or a project, and then feel like I don't have time. I keep putting time in quotes, you know, like I don't have time for the other things to even just relax, to enjoy myself. Then it all of a sudden opened up and I was drawing a lot more, started crocheting Alicia blanket. So it's really made me think about time in in a conscious way. And I want to hold on to that as much as I can. Hearing about the way the pandemic has influenced their sense of time, I reflected on my own experience. The week that I visited Alicia to conduct this interview was particularly strange because of the fires. The drive was very smoky. I traveled across bridges over various bodies of water, reservoirs, and lakes. It's usually like driving through light and sky and water to get to Point Reyes from where I live in Oakland. But that day, like most days that week, it was even more suspended out of time and place. Fires were everywhere. The sky was blanketed in smoke. I kept waking up late to work, stumbling out of bed and clocking in groggily at my desk a few feet away. I wasn't sure when it was time to drink my coffee or eat or sleep. And then the stress of the election, the continuous death and the holidays and the spikes in cases and the bizarre, confusing monotony of life still working from home and confined to my room. To be honest, it, it took me a few months to motivate myself to start producing for the show again, even though the podcast is something I love to do. I still feel like I'm living a bit out of time, or at least outside of the structure I thought was time. My eyes pop open at 3 a.m. and I can hear the sound of dishes in the kitchen. My housemate is up too. I measure my time in my planner. I memorize dates and, and time spent. But in the moment, I feel like I am in a sea of time with too much salinity and unpredictable tide. One minute I am floating, untethered, and the next I am pulled underwater, exhausted, struggling to regain my equilibrium. So why am I talking so much about time on an art materials podcast? The point of the show is to connect us to materials and honor our relationship with the world around us. Time can feel abstract, but it is a material we are all submerged in, and we are constantly trying to measure it to make sense of our lives and to keep certain systems in society functioning. Alarm clocks, time cards, planners, timers. We even attach a price to an hour depending on goods and services. Am I the only one who's starting to feel like that's kind of crazy? We measure our lives in time-based benchmarks, complete with appropriate milestones for the teenage years, the 20s, the 30s, and the decades of temporal expectations go on and on, stressing everyone out. <laughs> I am not interested in this linear, capitalistic way of measuring, controlling, or commodifying time. What if time and space don't necessarily have to be conditions that shape our lives, whether we like it or not? They could actually be materials that we form unique, changing relationships with. And an artist residency is like a flirtation with that freedom, an experience that allows us to see how our everyday might be shifted to better align with who we really are. But when you flirt with freedom, coming back can be a trip of its own. Something that I really struggle with is transition time. 
and there was always that transition time. I wouldn't call it a residency, but my last trip out to Colorado, um, even coming back home to this beautiful place that I live now and I'm very happy in, I just had these couple days of, of just, whoa, (laughs) being, yeah, after all the adventure and like being surrounded by people I really love. And it was just really hard to come, come back even after just one night somewhere, um, on our trips too. It can be really hard to leave them. The upside of that is that now we have friends all over the country and open invitations to return. And if you're coming back from a residency, that'll always be a place that you're connected with. Like whenever I go back to Paonia, all the friends I've made and even just the landscape, I think even if there was nobody there that I knew anymore, I would still feel a connection to the place. So it's good to have that perspective and have more than just your home as a familiar place. Yeah, it's always hard to to leave somewhere you've really connected with and feel at home. The second time we came to Elsewhere as a collaborative team, it was really sad to leave. I remember crying as we drove away. You know, at the same time, you have, you meet so many inspiring people and you have this new rhythm and this new outlook on time. Like, oh, I have this this new sense of motivation towards when I go back home, I don't want it to be like how it, how it used, you know, when maybe I didn't have time to work on all these things. Now I feel re-energized and rejuvenated. And it might not even just be like only about your art practice, but also just in the way that you interact with your space around you and also the people around you. I always come back from our road trips really energized to you know go on more hikes and make more food for people and invite people over and have potlucks and just I don't know I feel like after traveling you just get that that sense of when I come back home I want to change different things. I'm not gonna lie to you producing this show was extremely challenging for me. It took me months. I sat with the transcripts. I thought about time constantly but I couldn't bring myself to produce. I was stuck in my room where I spent 20 hours a day or so working, eating, sleeping, and repeating. I actually had to take to the road and conduct an artist residency of my own to make it happen. I wrote the script in a camp chair in the driveway of Alicia's house, actually. I borrowed my friend's van, the same van mentioned in the teaser about fire, and for a handful of days, stepped out of the stress-soaked, grief-ridden pandemic routine. Of course, everything is still terrible and sad and scary, but now I have a bit more in my cup and I can show up for the people in my circle, for my community, and for my future with a bit more clarity and vigor. I'm sure the transition home will be incredibly hard. I imagine I will see things, like Carolina mentioned, that I need to change, that I must change. I'm sharing this with you because I wonder how many others are at the end of their rope too. While you may be in solitude feeling those feelings, you are not alone. And with time as a material, maybe we are not as trapped as we think. How do you feel about time in your life? What would you want to spend time doing or thinking about? What resources do you have on hand that you might share with community? Because starting your own residency isn't out of the question either. A major part of Pinewood Atlas is helping people realize that going to a residency is an accessible thing for more people than you might think. And starting your own is the same. Like, 
if you have room to build a canvas and wood tent in the backyard or maybe even just a a spare studio space or a spare corner, uh, you can start a residency. Another idea behind our books is to inspire people to start their own residency and just look at what they already have. It could be short-lived. It can just be something that lasts for a summer. And I think, yeah, something with this project is we wanted to let people know that you didn't have to have a ton of equipment or money or a huge space. You know, we visited a residency in a hammock in Vancouver. Just, it can be the most simple offering. (laughs) And that's a great place to start. So we can help people realize these things, but if there are other people who are inspired to also facilitate um, people discovering that they have more control over their time maybe than they think or more time to be creative than they think, then that's great. It's all about connecting them too. Connecting artists to residencies and then connecting residencies to residencies because there's a lot to learn from each other. This episode was recorded on unceded Ohlone land in what is now known as Oakland, California. I also drove up north to see Alicia, where we spent time on the traditional lands of the Coast Miwok Indians, the first people of Marin and southern Sonoma counties. This episode's land acknowledgement and the months I have spent meditating on time leads me to contemplate my place in history, how time is understood in different cultures and in different languages. Just 400 years ago, colonizers, a few of whom were my ancestors on my English side, came to what is now known as the U.S. and violently seized people and land. This episode's land acknowledgement pushes me to openly acknowledge this in the hopes of better understanding my own story and encouraging other descendants of colonizers to stop putting up blinders when it comes to history and present-day rehabilitation. Sometimes it feels like the past is too far back, too painful, too messy to reckon with. But the truth is, the past is in every fiber of the present's being, and we are all actively benefiting or suffering from what happened in the past. The sooner we see what happened, clearly, the sooner we can connect with fellow humans and ourselves in a way that is just and equitable. Thank you so much to Carolina and Alicia for sharing your experience of time and your wonderful collaborative relationship with me. The Pineywood Atlas guidebooks are an amazing resource. If you're considering attending a residency, organizing your own, or even if you've never heard of an artist residency and want to learn more. This year, Alicia and Carolina also published a creative residency info guide through Flower Press, an equitable publishing practice centering women, femme, queer, and trans artists. Follow Alicia and Carolina on Instagram at Pineywood Atlas, all one word, and visit their site to order their books, which are chock full of interviews, illustrations, maps, tips for road tripping, and so much food for thought. Next up, we'll be continuing our exploration of time, not as an essential ingredient for the creative process, but the role of time for the viewers of art, how and why we as visitors spend time with installations, exhibits, and finished work. Wells Frey Smith, a gallerist based in London and founder of the irreverent and brilliant handle What the Fuck Is This on Instagram, will be joining us to continue our unraveling revelation that is the time space continuum. Don't forget to slow down and take care. Order your CBD infused salts, tinctures, and herbal smoking blends from our sponsor, Brown Sugar Botanicals. 
a black, queer, and trans-owned herbal CBD business. Visit www.brownsugarbotanicals.com and use the promo Material Feels, all one word, for a 10% discount. Material Feels is produced by me, your host, Catherine Monahan. Associate producer Liz Delise composes original music for the show as well. This episode features sounds from freesound.org, as well as underscores by Liz and MSFX. The show is still a labor of love. Here's how you can support us. Subscribe and share with your friends and family. Review the show on iTunes. Follow the show on Instagram. Donate to our Patreon or send money directly to me if you know me. But most importantly, just share with your friends and loved ones. Share the show. Share it. Just sharing is caring. Be daring. That's all I got. Love you, bye.